Well, thank you so much, praise team. That was wonderful singing and wonderful songs and wonderful music. And so thank you so very much for blessing us and leading us together this morning. Well, I'd like to begin uh, with a question this morning. We are concluding our series in the book of Jonah. And this morning, I want to begin with this question. And even though you know the answer, doesn't it strike you what the answer is? The question is, which Old Testament person best illustrates the central core of Jesus' ministry? Now, if I would have said that before we started this series on Jonah, how many of us would have guessed, well, that's Jonah, that's an easy one? I don't think so. I mean, what we know of Jonah, he's more like the Antichrist, isn't he? Than he is like Christ. And yet... Here's the amazing thing. Jesus said the sign that would give authority to his ministry was the sign of Jonah. Now, somebody once said that comparing Jonah to Jesus is like comparing a match to the incandescent sun. If I were to light a match this morning and say, what does this remind you of? Most of us would probably not say, well, it reminds me of the sun. And in the very same way, Most of us, when we think of Jesus, do not think of Jonah, yet Jesus himself said he is the sign. The sign. And so this morning, as we close this series on the book of Jonah, we come to probably the most unusual message of all, finding Christ in the prophet Jonah. Jesus said the whole Old Testament points to him, and that includes Jonah. And this morning there are three lessons for us, and I want you to take your Bibles with me and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, and we are going to be considering this morning verses 38 through 42 as a part of this message this morning. Let's take a moment, shall we, and let's pray and ask the Lord to be our teacher. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the center of the entire Bible. And just as wherever we go in the hymnal, it eventually leads us to Christ, so wherever we go in the Bible, eventually we find ourselves at the feet of Christ. And we thank you for what Jesus teaches us today about Jonah as an example of him and what we can wonderfully understand about our great Savior. So guide us now as we consider your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the first lesson that I think we learn as we come to the book of Jonah is that Jonah helps us understand and illustrates Bible interpretation. Now, when I began this series, you may recall I I shared with you that a man one day said to me, I think Jonah's a myth. And I said to him, well, why do you think that? And he said, well, that is just my opinion. And how would you answer that? How would we say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's incorrect. I know that's incorrect. And why is that a terrible basis for deciding what the Bible means. By the way, if I'm ever up here saying, well, that's just my opinion, it's probably time to get a new pastor, isn't it? It's not the way you interpret the Scriptures. 
And so what do we understand here? Well, here's a very important principle that the great reformer, Martin Luther, shared with us so very succinctly. He said to us, Scripture is its own interpreter. That's one of the basic principles of interpreting the Bible. And what do we mean by this? Well, here's an excellent uh, definition of this principle. One passage throws light on the other. Comparing Scripture to Scripture, then, is basic in Bible interpretation. And so, one of the most important questions we must ask as we study the Bible is this question. Where else does the Bible address this subject, this issue, or this point? And if it is addressed, then we must come under the authority of Scripture on that point. Now, Jesus spoke about Jonah in both Matthew and in Luke. And let's take a look at what he said here in Matthew. Look with me, if you would, at verses 38 down to verse 42. Let me read for you. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now let me ask some questions this morning and you give me the answers. Did Jesus believe Jonah was a prophet? Yes. Did Jesus believe in the great fish? Yes. Did Jesus believe Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights? Yes. Did Jesus believe the city of Nineveh was a real city? Yes. Did Jesus believe the Ninevites in that city at the preaching of Jonah repented? Yes. Here's the last question. Did Jesus believe Jonah is a myth? (laughs) No. No. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. I want to make a point that's very helpful to me. I hope it will be helpful to you. The bottom line reason why I believe the entire Old Testament is Jesus did. That's the bottom line reason. If you claim to be God and say you will die and rise again three days later and you pull that off, I will believe anything that you say. And Jesus claimed to be God, said He would rise three days later as proof that He was God. And He believed the entire Old Testament and therefore I believe the entire Old Testament as well because clearly Jesus did. Now there's one other thing. Critics often would say that Jonah was not true because there was no evidence that the city of Nineveh existed. 
They said a great city like that could not simply disappear into the dust of history if it really existed. And guess what one of the greatest finds of modern archaeology has been? The city of Nineveh. Near the modern-day city of Mosul in Iraq, here are some of our soldiers visiting the site after the Iraq War. You know what? No finding of archaeology has ever disproved the Bible, but always confirms the Bible. Now, you know what? We don't need archaeology to believe the Old Testament. We have the testimony of Jesus. But isn't it great that archaeology supports what Jesus said? Isn't that great? And so the book of Jonah is a wonderful illustration of why we have confidence in the Old Testament and how it is that we are to interpret the Bible. Now here's a second lesson from the book of Jonah that helps us. Jonah illustrates the mission of Jesus. And I want you to notice in what Jesus said, he drew some very, very wonderful and perceptive parallels. Now, look at this. Jonah was a prophet. But Jesus said twice, he's greater than a prophet. Jonah was rescued from death in three days from the belly of the fish where he should have died. Jesus was resurrected from death in three days from a grave where he had died. Jesus said Jonah was a miraculous sign, and he was a miraculous sign. And then notice this. Notice the one difference. The Ninevites repented at Jonah's preaching and they were saved. But the Israelites rejected Jesus' preaching and they were condemned. Now look at that for just a moment and I want to ask you, what is it that you see? What do you see? Well, Jonah thought he was going to die, but God preserved him so that he survived death. Jesus actually did die, but God resurrected him so that he overcame death. Jonah's authority as a real prophet was attested by his miraculous deliverance, and Jesus' authority as the Son of God was attested by his miraculous resurrection. Now, the Ninevites should not have repented at Jonah's preaching, but they did repent and they were saved. And the Israelites should have repented at Jesus' preaching, but they did not, and they were condemned. Now, here's something very interesting. At the very time that Jonah was preaching to the Ninevites, the prophet Hosea was preaching to Israel. You see, Amos, Hosea, and Jonah were all contemporaries. In the very time that Jonah is sent to the Ninevites, Amos and Hosea are back at home in the northern kingdom, and they are preaching to the Israelites. I want you to notice what Hosea said was the response to him. 
Look what Hosea says in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns, and all who live in it waste away. Now look at that. The same time that Jonah preaches to the Ninevites and they repent, Hosea is preaching to the Israelites and they do not repent. And what does Jesus say? The same thing was happening with him. In fact, look at how the Apostle John, many years later as he writes his gospel, reflects back Upon Jesus' ministry to his own people, notice what John says. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you see what's going on here? Jonah illustrates the mission of Jesus. The Jews, by and large, have rejected the gospel, so it has gone to the Gentiles, who in a much greater way have accepted the gospel. Uh, I grew up uh, as a boy with a Jewish friend. His name was Ken. Ken, the last I knew, lives in uh, New York City. And I'll never forget one day, we were both back in town, and so we met for lunch, And as we sat down to have our pizza at the Village Inn Pizza Place, I said to Ken, Ken, do you mind if I pray before we eat? And Ken said to me, okay, but don't mention Jesus. And I thought, okay, I I guess this means I give a generic prayer. So I thought, all right, I, I guess I'll do that. So I prayed. When I got to the end of my prayer, I said, In Jesus' name, Amen. As soon as I looked up, Ken said to me, I thought you weren't going to mention Jesus. And it was then that I realized what he meant. He did not want me to pray in the name of Jesus and in Jesus' authority as the only mediator between God and people. And I thought to myself, How is it that I, who am a Gentile, love Jesus, and you, a Jew, can't even stand the mention of His name? And Jonah foreshadowed that's the way it would be after Jesus came. 
By the way, I, I can't help this morning but say, which group are you in? Are you in verse 11 who have not received Him? Or are you in verse 12 who have received Him and therefore because He has the authority to bring you to God has given you the authority based upon your belief in Him to now be a son or a daughter of God. You see, Jonah foreshadows exactly what the ministry of Christ would be like. Well, now there's a third uh, point that is very important for us as we think about uh, the book of Jonah. And that is this. Jonah illustrates the relationship of God's covenants. He illustrates the relationship of God's covenants. Now, as we read our Bibles throughout the Bible, what we see is that God always enters into a relationship with people on the basis of a covenant. A covenant is a contract or an agreement where God makes pledges to those that come under the provisions of that covenant. Now, let me just share with you uh, how important biblical covenants are because without understanding them, you can't really know what's going on in Jonah or in any other book of the Bible. Uh, look at this, what this says about the importance of biblical covenants. A proper understanding of the biblical covenants is vital for knowing God and for understanding the plan He is working out through time. The covenants provide a framework for understanding the whole of Scripture, especially... The Old Testament. Now, friends, this is where the book of Jonah gets very, very interesting. Because there are three covenants at work in this Bible, in this book. And it's only when we understand these covenants that we really begin to see what the message is and what's going on as the Lord is teaching us, all right? So let's look at them, first of all. First of all, you know that God made a covenant with Abraham. And this covenant is an eternal, unconditional covenant that God made with Abraham and his people. And I want you to notice something very, very interesting about it. The essential provisions of the covenant are made in Genesis chapter 12, though the covenant itself is made in Genesis 17. And I want you to notice what God said to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many families of the earth are included in this covenant? All the families. Does that include your family? Of course it does. This is God's desire that all the families of the earth 
would come to know Him. And the chosen people of Israel were to be a light to the nations so that the nations could ultimately know God. Do you know this is why God sent Jonah to Nineveh? So they could know Him just as God had said to Abraham, this is why I'm entering into covenant with you, because I want all the families of the earth to know me. Why was Jonah sent? Because of the Abrahamic covenant. Well, now God added another covenant to His people. And we know that that was the covenant with Moses. And what do we read here about the Mosaic Covenant? It what? It failed. It failed. And we ask this question, why did God give the Mosaic Law to the people of Israel? Well, it wasn't to show them how wonderful and good they were. Wasn't it to show them how big of a failure they were? Isn't that the reason? By the way, did they get that reason? No, they thought we got the law, and that means we're better than others. And so they totally turned around the whole purpose. Look what Paul says to us in Romans 3, is the reason why God gave the Mosaic Covenant. Look at this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the what? Knowledge of sin. How many of us this morning would say, you know what? I think Jonah is a pretty good example of Jewish failure. How many of us would say that? (laughs) Sure we would. I think, I think Jonah's a textbook example of Jewish failure. He hated his enemies instead of loving them. He knew God very, very well, but he wanted no one outside of Israel to know the same God. He rebelled against God and refused to serve Him in the way that God directed until finally God made Him do it. And this one really shocks me. His preaching converted a whole city and he was mad about it. I don't think you could find a failure any greater anywhere in the Bible than this man Jonah. I mean, he's the textbook... Failure. Are we failures? And we sure are. In fact, we are far greater failures from God's perspective than any of us ever begin to know. Um, I used to apologize a lot to my kid sister for how I treated her as we were growing up. And one day she said to me, Brian, you can stop apologizing to me. She said, I forgive you. (laughs) And I think about that. I'm a failure. You're a failure. We're all 
failures. Now, I want to just ask you as we look at these two covenants, does anyone see a problem here? Because of the Abrahamic covenant, we are promised eternal blessings. That's God's desire, His wish. But the problem is that we've all failed. We're like Jonah. We're rebellious. We're going astray. We're hating and angry. Does anybody see a problem here? What's the answer? We need what kind of a covenant? Yeah! We need a new covenant. And what's the solution to this problem? Well, the new covenant is our solution. And I want you to notice what God said that He would do through Jeremiah when He promised the new covenant. Look at these words in Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. Notice what the Lord says. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. By the way, you say, well, this was a covenant with Israel. Well, the Abrahamic covenant was also with Israel. But there were blessings promised to Gentiles. And so here is a covenant that is promised to Israel and one day will be fulfilled with them when Jesus returns. But these blessings we know from the New Testament are promised as well to Gentiles. And look at what they are. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Look at what this covenant accomplishes. Transformation of heart. He's going to change our our heart on the inside. A personal relationship with God. He says, I'll be your God and you will be my people. We'll be accepted by Him. And then the relationship will be personal and intimate because he says, uh, we will all know Him who have come into a relationship with Him. And then finally, full forgiveness of all of our guilt and all of our going wrong and, and missing the mark. How many of us here this morning think this is what Jonah needed? How many think this is what you need and I need and who accomplished this by his death and resurrection Jesus and what does Jonah illustrate 
the death and resurrection of Jesus. Do you see? Jonah illustrates the very thing that would be necessary for the new covenant so that we could have a changed heart, be accepted by God, be in an intimate relationship with Him, and have full forgiveness of sins. See, how many think Jonah repented and came back to the Lord? And how would we know? Well, here's one suggestion. Who wrote the book? Probably Jonah. And anyone who would write this about himself probably knew what he needed. Right? And if there's hope for Jonah, is there hope for you and me? Yeah, there is. There is. And what a wonderful way for us to conclude by coming to the feet of Christ and learning all about Him. Let's take a moment, shall we, and let's bow our hearts together and let's close our eyes. And let's just thank the Lord this morning for His wonderful revelation to us and what His wonderful Son has done for us. Listen, if you're here today and you're not sure where you stand, I just would ask you to think about this. Has your heart been transformed? Do you know God has accepted you? Are you sure that you are in a personal and intimate relationship with Him? And are you confident that your guilt has been removed? And you have been fully forgiven. And if you can't say that, then you're like Jonah. You're like the rest of us. You're a failure in God's eyes. And only Christ is the remedy for that. And so, where you're seated, you can turn to the Savior and you can say, Lord, there's a Jonah in me. I've failed. And I need the one who died for me and rose again for me. And I come to Jesus in repentance and faith. I believe in You, Lord Jesus, who You are, what You've done. And I cast myself at Your feet for Your mercy. I repent today. I, I turn from my own way and I turn to You. I invite You by faith to be my Savior 
I trust you by faith to become my Lord. I believe that you hear my cry for forgiveness, for new life, to become a child of God. And I take you today at your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving a sinner such as I am. And now, out of gratefulness, out of thankfulness, I will follow you and learn of you and serve you and live for you. Father, today, thank you for the sign of Jonah. Thank you that this little book is truly at the heart of the whole message of Scripture. And thank you that you have made this wonderful provision for us, which was your plan from the very beginning. And thank you that the only one who has never failed, who has always been everything that you desired him to be, is Jesus. And thank you that as Jonah was preserved alive in a place where he should have died and came forth three days later to preach a message that led to life. So Jesus was in a place because he had died. But three days later, he came to life to preach a message of life to all who would receive Him. We love You this day, Lord Jesus. Thank You for being ours and that we are Yours. For Your great name's sake, Amen.